0: Close the key to my mouth. There we go. This is the. Mm, you need to push the top button. 48p is not tucked in. I can still see your, um, your volume. There we go. Nope, it's on all right. One of those buttons is supposed to. It's on. That usually doesn't. What are you plugged into? You have to be plugged into you. Oh, it's not plugged into me. Oops.
1: You.
0: i'm still picking up is it a me you just have- Welcome back to another Unfiltered Thoughts with Jay Taylor. This is the part of the show where I give you my unfiltered thoughts. And at some level, I would like to put a disclaimer out there that I am not uh, infinitely wise, nor could I be held liable for anything that I say right now, because part of it is um, I'm I'm sipping on tequila while I do it. I'm going to pull that out right now. Actually, the tequila is behind me. Got it. So while I do unfiltered thoughts with Jay, uh, I think it's because I have something valuable to say. I truly believe that uh, everyone listening could learn something. Now, you may know more about real estate than me. There are people out there who have been doing this longer than me. Uh, Huge shout out to those that have blazed the trail before me. But even people who have been doing it for 20 and 30 years, and by the way, they love to tell you, listen, I've been doing this for 20 or 30 years. Like I truly believe that I have something to teach that person that they may be tired and stale in how they do things and I might bring a fresh perspective to a person who you know is their first year in real estate I got a girl on my team right now she is one year a realtor this is april she was licensed in april she's one year in she's already killing it she's outperforming every one of my metrics for my first year so like I don't want to pretend like I either am smarter or better in any way but what I can tell you is that I think I see things differently and I would love to share my unfiltered thoughts and anyone who wants to grow in real estate, whether it's through ownership, equity, wealth or just in the like art of buying and selling real estate. I believe I have something for you. So with that stated today, I'm going to talk to you about how to get started. And I don't mean like how to become a realtor, because I think. I could talk about that next time. I think it's a really good one. But today it's more about how to get started in real estate investment. I think there are at least 25 of you who are going to call me tomorrow and say, Jay, you were talking straight to me. And I I welcome that phone call. This is not me saying, please don't call me. I would like you to prove me right. I want 25 of you to call me tomorrow and say, Jay, I want to get started in what you said. Because what I will tell you is I'm only six years in. it's, it's fun to think about that. I'm only six years in. Now, I think I've just reached the point. I've probably put my 10,000 hours. I think it's Malcolm Gladwell who says, after 10,000 hours, you're an expert. You're in the top 1% of something, as long as you do it the right way. Uh, I think I'm there. I think I have fully dedicated myself to my craft and this art of buying and selling real estate. But I also know that while I did it transactionally for my friends, for my family, for my peers, for my neighbors, for strangers... That while I did it transactionally for you know 500 different people, I also have done it for myself. I have been the buyer. I have been the seller, and I can tell you right now, I've learned a ton. I've got a lot to distill. So these unfiltered thoughts with Jay are not built on just like random musings, but they're they're actual distillation of my learnings. Um, I'm going to start off with a few fun quotes just to get us going. I wrote these quotes down because I thought they were really good. Um, Feel free to disagree with me. They're not my own words, so it won't hurt me at all. Uh, this is a Hebrew proverb for those of you who uh, are Jewish. He is not a full human who does not own a piece of land. Let that sink in. You are but a transient, impartial human if you don't own a piece of this good earth. Now, a person who like walks up and says, Mother Earth is not to be owned. Like I get it. Yeah. We... We are temporary on this Earth, and and the good Lord, the Mother Earth, outlives us all. Uh, but I do believe that uh, there's some wisdom there. The second one, I thought this one was even better. The best investment on Earth is Earth. Whoa. Because that could, like, be your eco-warrior. Like, hey, let's invest into the ecosystem that we live in. Let's, like, clean our rivers. Let's de-pollute our shores. Like... You can invest into Earth by making it a cleaner, safer place for the future generations. But you can also invest in Earth the same way you invest in cryptocurrency, the way you invest in stocks, the way you invest in anything. Like, invest in Earth by owning a piece. Because you know what? The, the Mark Twain said it best. Mark Twain said, buy land. They're not making it anymore. <laughs> and I love that, with the exception of maybe like the Arab Emirates. I do believe Dubai is making new land out in the water. But. Uh, the final one would be real estate cannot be lost or stolen nor can it be carried away it's one of the few things that like once you own it though you could lose it to foreclosure you could lose it to delinquency debt whatever like a human can't walk up and say i have taken this earth and moved it over there like no once you own an acre that acres it's there you can take the top subsoil off you could take three layers of soil off there's still earth there like you own the earth you could own a patch of it. And, and with all of those introductions, I'm going to get into the meat and bones, the meat and potatoes of uh, this dialogue. I think there are people out there on the sidelines. I think there are humans, friends, family of mine that are not investing in real estate. And I don't really know why. Um, I can guess. I can surmise. They don't feel like they have enough money saved up Uh, Maybe they don't feel like the economy is good. Maybe they feel like it's just not the right time for me. Uh, Or maybe not specifically them. Maybe they think the whole world is about to collapse. Um, But I'll tell you that that sentiment has been voiced to me for five straight years from people, for sure the last three with COVID, like it has been over and over and over again. Like, I just, I'm going to wait for it to crash. I'm going to wait for the market to level out. I'm going to wait for demand to simmer down. I'm going to wait till whatever. Like they have all of these reasons, and all of those years that people have given me those reasons, I have earned millions off of my real estate holdings. I have made it. I have watched every decision I've made, as impartially imperfect as those decisions were. I can tell you right now, I don't think things through to the extent that many of you do. But I think that those of you that think through things more than me might suffer from decision paralysis. And you might be in a position to learn from a person who doesn't think through things quite as much as you do. Because while people thought through things too much and didn't act, I acted. My favorite story is this little tiny house. Um, I'm going to share this before we get into it. Uh, It's a little two-bedroom, one-bath home on Sorrento. If you know Detroit, you know that Sorrento is the street that goes north to south. Uh, The the, the block I bought on was kind of the northwest corner south of Oak Park. If that gives you a context, great. If it doesn't, don't worry. It was a little tiny brick, single family, single story, no garage, nothing special about it. And when I bought it, uh, it it was ugly. It needed the floors to be refinished. It needed the walls to be repainted. It needed the kitchen to be redone. It needed the bathroom to get zhushed up. It needed the yard to be maintained and landscaped. It needed stuff, right? Exterior paint. But you know the bones were there, and it was cheap, and I bought it. And I remember I owned that thing for less than a month, and I made twenty thousand dollars off of it. Like the average person makes you know twenty thousand over the course of several months, several months, and I made it in like I think it was exactly four weeks, and it, it occupied about four hours of my time. Four hours was all it took for me to like expend some money, have a contractor show up place a tenant, and then sell it as a cash-flowing investment. It's a really small story. It's anecdotal at best. Like, it doesn't actually prove my point. But it was, I just, I, I had this money. This opportunity came up. I spent the money. And then within a month, I sold it and netted the, the income. And I, I've done that move probably four or five times. It didn't take a lot of effort. And in fact, this is the embarrassing thing. I didn't walk the home before I bought it. <laughs> I totally just, like sent my contractor to quote the repairs before I pulled the trigger on purchasing it he said yeah I can do these repairs for this much money and I said cool and then I wrote the offer bought the home and had the contractor do it like I finally did walk the property after the contractor had finished his repairs before I paid him for the job like I wanted to make sure that it was done right but like I had already owned the property for three weeks by then and it was my first time walking it so don't think things more than you need to all right let's get into this um what are some impediments to a person not buying a home and you know for for the 25 of you that are going to call me tomorrow and say i'm ready to start these are the things that you're going to say to me before you pull the trigger number one um jay what about the market is the market going to collapse i would say to anyone who's worried about the market collapsing like it's always out there as an opportunity or a threat it's always out there as a reason so like we're gonna make smart and informed decisions but if the property becomes less valuable then just don't sell it and rent it like have you ever thought that like passive income might be the solution to wealth well a property that you can't sell you can rent and when properties have lost their value it means a lot of people are going to be needing to rent properties. Like when there's a massive collapse, more people need to rent than can purchase and so now you have one of those assets. You can now charge a premium for your property. Like that that thing that I bought on Sorrento, I think fun story. I think I paid 12 for it and sold it for 38. But that means I was only like $20,000 invested into it all in, fully renovated, ready to go. And that 20,000 could have made me a thousand a month. So if I couldn't have sold it for the profit I wanted, I could have rented it for a thousand a month. That thousand a month would have made me all my money back every two years. That's after paying the tax bill, after paying the insurance bill, after paying a management company. I could have every two years recouped the money I put into it. It would have been a great rental property. I bet you some of you are like, "Well, Jay, why didn't you keep it?" Well, I actually wanted the twenty thousand cash right then. So you know, for those of you who are wondering about a market collapse, like if the market collapses we can work on renting it for you we can keep it until the market has recovered Uh, a lot of people worry about things like what about tenants not paying what about squatters in the property well i can tell you i've owned 30 35 properties in the last five years i've had seven or eight squatters i this is a fun story one time hired a contractor to fix one of my properties and shortly after the squatter or the contractor Moved into the house and squatted in the house that he was repairing. It was a horror story. I cannot tell you the feeling of rage when this person who I had hired to repair the home just informed me that, like, yeah, A, I'm not repairing it, and B, you'll have to like hire a sheriff to get me out of here. This is my house now. Like, horror stories have happened to me, and yet I continue to buy and I continue to sell and I continue to invest. Like, I'm here to say every one of these reasons that you might not like you might think are a reason not to buy or sell. I'm here to tell you, I've experienced all of them and I still do it. Why? Because across all of the properties I've purchased, I have not yet lost money. Across all the properties that I've bought, sold, rented, every one of them has been a positive net gain to me over the course of its ownership. And part of that is I, I don't sell when it's worth less than I put into it, I hold it. Part of it is I am patient. And when a person hasn't paid rent in 24 months, I continue to show patience, and I continue to wait it out. Like, if you had paused me in the middle of any of my stories and said, hey, how's it going? I'd say, not good. But I had an end game. I had a goal. I had a vision. And each one of those times, if you paused me mid-track, I'd say, not good. But if you asked me at the end, I'd say, wow, that turned out great. And the reason why is because that's That's the way the universe works most of the time. Like we can be sitting here in the middle of a terrible experience and still know at the end there is going to be a victory. There's going to be a payout. There's going to be a a win. Um, Learning how to overcome that adversity is like one of the big skills I bring to real estate. I'll have clients who tell me like, I just don't see how this could get better. And I say, well, I do. Let's chase the good. right? And so what that means is that there'll be little setbacks, but at the end it's always good. Uh, I I wrote down, I'm gonna read all of them. Uh, Horror stories that have happened to me while owning the properties that I've owned. While either buying it to flip it, buying it to rent it, for whatever reason, buying it to hold it, these are all the things that have happened to me. Number one, furnaces and hot water tanks stolen. I literally installed a furnace and hot water tank into a four unit that I owned. And within like a month, it was stolen. So I replaced it with a new furnace, not water tank. And it was also stolen. Like, (laughs) we've had it go bad. Um, Tenants not paying. I've had one tenant go as long as 24 months without paying. Now, you might say, that would be enough to like bankrupt me, Jay. So yeah, I don't have deep pockets like that. I can't hold it. I'll promise you that during that time, it felt awful to me, too. During that time, I was wondering where the money was going to come from. But there are so many programs out there. A tenant not paying does not have to be a loss of income. I actually, once they were three, four, five months delinquent, I let it build. I let it grow. Because there was a program out there called Sarah that you could give up to 24 months of delinquent payments from a tenant. And as long as they worked with you and you worked with them, you would get it all paid for through this program. And so my checks were huge. They were like $10,000, $12,000, $14,000 waiting for those paychecks to finally come. I remember one time timing that paycheck with my sale where the day we closed on the property to a new owner, we also got paid out eight months of back rent from the Sarah program. So I not only got a big, you know, $55,000 check for the sale of the property. I also got a $12,000 check from the tenant's back rent. So like there are ways to overcome all of these. Uh, A big one is major unexpected costs. This one scares most people. They're like, I don't want to buy that house or that rental or that whatever because what if the roof needs to be replaced? What if the plumbing breaks? What if, what if, what if? All these things. Well, first off, we can vet properties that might be less maintenance than others. But like, I bought this one from the land bank. I'm sure you've heard this story before where I spent $1,000 uh, on a property and then over the course of two years got it rented and then did a big sale for a big payout at the end. You know. It wasn't my most lucrative sale. I think I made $50,000 over two whole years, but I also had it rented for like 2400 every single month the whole time. Um, so I made a lot of money off that property. But I remember the biggest unexpected cost on that one was after getting two tenants in it, after having all the rehab costs sunk into it, I went to go sell it, uh, and the city of Detroit wouldn't turn my water on. And I kept asking why, and they were dodging me, and they wouldn't tell me the, the truth. And finally, they let me know, oh, it's because you're responsible to replace the lead service line and that'll be a sixteen thousand dollar fine and so after spending all this money and being pretty deep in debt on that property rather than getting a payout i got a sixteen thousand dollar bill and again like these are the sort of things that could cause anybody to say yeah i'm out don't want to do it i couldn't afford a sixteen thousand dollar bill and even that one, like at the time, I was not seasoned, I was not wealthy. It was actually my very first flip. So, like, in terms of horror stories, I've had them all. My very first flip, I had this weird, unexpected fine slapped on me by the city of Detroit due to a land bank lack of disclosure. And in that moment, I still overcame it. We got the water line fixed. We got the sale. We made the profits. Like, we figured it out. And I'm here to say, like. All of these things could have caused me to not invest, to not throw my money where my mouth was. They could have talked me out of this game that I'm playing. But because each time I took it in stride, I problem solved and came forward with the right solution. Uh, I'm sitting here today with a huge portfolio uh, of real estate, lots of doors, lots of rent. Like, I would love to help every one of you unlock an extra million dollars of net worth like it took me five years of consistent work to get to one million dollars of net real estate value it then took me only one year to get the next million so like let's compound this game with you uh i, I wrote a couple others i wrote uh so Furnaces and hot water tanks stolen, talk about that one. Tenants not paying, talk about that one. Major unexpected costs, market collapse, squatters. Here's a big one, foreclosure. What to do if you stepped into something, you didn't think through it all the way, kind of like Jay Taylor told you to try, and then you got a $16,000 plumbing repair that you weren't expecting, and the tenant wasn't paying, and the mortgage is still due, and you're sitting there looking at like, everything's gone poorly. The property isn't worth as much as I paid for it. The tenant's not paying me their rent. I now need to come up with $16,000. Like, What to do when you are looking at an imminent foreclosure? It can be scary. It can be really scary. So what I'll say is if every one of these things happened all at once and you were looking at foreclosure as your only option, I'm here to tell you, even in that scenario, even if that was what happened, you have so many opportunities to fix it. You have so many opportunities to get out from underneath it. Not only are there people out there that will come alongside you and counsel you on how to protect the property from foreclosure. You have like a year, six months to a year to work with the tax bill, work with the city, work with whatever, like. I have been in a position where I, my tenants say, like, hey, your property has a foreclosure notice on it. I'm like, oh, I forgot to pay the tax bill. And I go and look and, like, I pay it and we're good. Like, foreclosure can be imminent and you can still get out from underneath it. And so, like, if every one of these things happened all at once, A, you're maybe like one of the most unlucky people I know. But B, even in that, there are programs to help you protect it. And the whole time, while your property is, you know, threatening foreclosure, while your bank accounts are, looking lighter while your income is struggling. like While all these things are going poorly and you're like, Jay, why the hell did you get me into this mess? I'm here to tell you like there are solutions and plans that we can put in place to delay, postpone, while we problem solve the little things like repairs. I have been able to use city grants to do projects around my properties. I've been able to get the city to accept a very small like $50 payment towards the tax. Uh, lenders are super great at saying oh you're behind let's put you in forbearance for just three months for three months we'll let you get caught up and we'll put those payments on the end like all these programs exist to protect you that if something happens that you didn't expect you don't just have to like lay dead and hand over the property and keys and your credit you can actually solve all of it and while you're doing that guess what's happening to your property's value it's growing i'm telling you right now the biggest horror story, and I had an investor in on this one, uh, if, if uh, Chip is listening, he can tell you how bad this one went. We bought a property in the city of Detroit after we bought it, then said, you got to replace all the windows. I'm like, it's like $15,000 of windows. I don't want to do that. Also, they're historic, cool, leaded glass windows. We like them. And so he's like, you got to replace them. And then that same home with that $15,000 window replacement bill, uh, the tenant said, we're not going to pay rent. And for two years, they didn't pay rent. Uh, and during those two years, they were squatting in it, so we couldn't sell it. So we couldn't sell it, we couldn't get a new tenant. It was during COVID, so we couldn't evict. And all, like literally everything happened all at once. And I'm telling you right now, we held on, we buckled up, two years into it, with all of the drama and all the chaos, not only did we get all the back rent owed by that tenant, we also were able to sell the property without replacing the windows. And when we sold the property, we netted about $55,000 of profit. And that was not calculating like all the income from the rent. So in the middle of it, it looked like every one of these things had gone wrong. The only thing that I really can see here that didn't happen was nothing was stolen from the property. The tenants who lived there, you know, because they were occupying the property, uh, nothing was stolen while we were there. Um, that same season, with the same investor, we had a different duplex that was vacant. And that one had its furnaces and hot water tanks stolen. So like, this investor chip has, has been through the, the worst with me, uh, but has also been through some of the best payouts at the end. Like, That's my goal, is to encourage you to say, even if these are all your fears, and even if all of them come true, at the end, you can still be the person who looks me dead in the eyes and say, wow, what a ride. And look, I now have a million dollars of real estate equity in my pocket. Like, That's what I want for you. So I won't sugarcoat it. It isn't always easy. Um, For a person who's sitting on a million dollars already, I can walk you through a really easy passive stream of income. For a person who's sitting there with like $30,000, we can get you a really sweet equity-gaining investment. For a person who has like $1,000, call me. Let's do a land bank deal. Let's get you into your first flip. All of these things are me saying, Let's get your money working for you. If you're still listening, if you haven't given up yet, you know how to reach me. Here's the thing I'm going to say. Every property you buy is tying up your money so you can't use it on other things. And that might be your final, like, oh, I just don't want to part with this money. I like having it as a safety net. Say you are sitting there on a bank account with fifty or $60,000 in your savings. If we were to use that money, and leverage it as a down payment, where your W-2, your paycheck from your employer, is uh, providing the income that you need to prove to a bank that you can be lent to. If we took that money and put it as a down payment towards a property, you now don't have access to it. If you ended up needing it in a pinch, it would take you about a month to get that money back. That is not very usable money. We call that like hard to get to. And that might be the best case scenario for you. For me, I know that if I tie up my money in equity of a property, in a down payment or in a purchase of property, I won't spend it on frivolous stuff. I won't travel. I won't buy a new car. I won't go out and upgrade to the newest iPhone. There are, there are things I will forego because now I don't have access to that money. And that might be the best case scenario for you. Because while you're not spending $1,200 on a new phone, while you're not spending four grand on a trip to Europe, your property is growing in equity. I'm about to get a payout from one of my properties. I think I'll make about $50,000 on the 100 I leveraged. So it'll be about 50% profit. I put in 100, a year later I'm gonna pull out 150. It's such a win, I love it every time I do it. But while that 100 was there and tied up, I wasn't spending it on stupid shit. I was waiting for the right time to cash out and get 150. And if I'm smart, I'll take the 150 and dump it right back into another property. I'll tie it up so I can't use it on stupid shit. And that's my goal for you. Let's take your money. Let's tie it up on something that will grow in value. Let's turn you into a person who five years from now looks back and says, that's a million dollars that I didn't have to like earn at a job. So these have been Unfiltered Thoughts with Jay. I totally forgot to drink my tequila. So I'm gonna take a few sips now.